Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. All right, so Pastor Evan has been doing a series called Cut the Cord, and in most of it, he's just been using examples about me, but you know what? I, I couldn't think of one, you know, about him, so huh, I really tried, y'all. I said, I'm coming back, okay, with the cutting the cord, but I do have something that I believe God has asked us to cut the cord on today, um, but before I get to that, I want to kind of share what led me to it, I believe. And part of that is just thinking about this year, 2020. Um, 2020 has definitely been a year that I didn't see coming. I, maybe you did. You know, I, I didn't see her coming. And something that in reflection I realized is in 2020, it is forcing everyone into change. I don't, there's barely any humans on the earth that have not been impacted by this worldwide pandemic. And so when I think about the type of things that I've had to kind of shift on and adjust on, something that's been really clear to me is God's sustaining hand. Something that's plain as day for me is God's provision. Something that I've needed that I may have taken for granted is God's love for me. Because there are times where, whether it's in parenting or parenting overload, because they they there, you know, they, they stay there. They, they are not walking out with the pandemic. They are there when I wake up. They are there when I go to sleep. And most of the time they waking me up, the children are there. So in all of these moments where I could be overwhelmed or whatever, I feel God's love. Don't you? You feel him there with you. You feel him there guiding you or nudging you, but something that I cannot escape, no matter how big God has been this year, is the discomfort that has also come in this year. I've been uncomfortable a lot, a lot. And to be honest with you, um, this year has also unearthed some trauma that I did not expect for me personally. Uh, when my husband and I first got married, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, I just need you to know I'm still broken, okay? I told him, I was like, I don't know exactly what in here all needs to be fixed, but something I'm really clear on, future husband, is that God's not finished doing the work in me. And I don't know how the things that happened to me as a young person are going to impact our marriage. I was scared when I got married for sure. But I knew God was with me, and that's all I need to know. If I know God is with me in this and I'm going to keep listening to him, then I'm good. So here we go. Well, this year was one of those years where um, some things happened earlier in the year that pushed buttons in me. And as those buttons were pushed, I got really uncomfortable, mainly because God began to show me, you are starting to retreat. And I'm saying to myself, what do you mean I'm retreating? I'm still living. I'm still ministering. You know, I'm still showing up in the spaces. And he began to show me, you are starting to retreat 
within yourself. And then he reminded me of my responses in a house with uh, a violent behaving father where I would go to my room and it was just me and me. You know, me and I was a kid that when I got low, I would read my Bible. I knew it helped, so that's what I did. But I would retreat in that. And God was showing me earlier this year, he was like, you can't afford to retreat anymore. And this unique situation that has triggered something in you, you actually need to face it. Now, all this time in my life, I didn't realize that I hadn't faced everything. Come on. Y'all know there are some things that you thought you were good. You thought you had it all together. And then something happens, and it's, whoa, almost knocks you off your feet. And in this time, God said, I need you to actually face that thing, and I need you to face it. And the way he showed it to me for me is I was literally facing the teenage me. He didn't show me in, oh, the, the person that was inflicting or, or planting a root of trauma in my life. He showed me myself. You need to face the person that would run from that. I believe a lot of, a lot of us, some teen, at teenage ages can recognize this now because we're in the age of information and they, can, they know what trauma is. But a lot of adults, if we're not careful, we will walk around living our life in a state of not facing the child you, not facing the teenage you, or, what, or whoever that person was that trauma was inflicting. It was inflicted. It impacted you. And then now, as an adult, there will always come a time of discomfort. And sometimes the discomfort does have to do with something that happened to you that you never asked for. Something that you wish you could have changed. Something that you wish you could have done different in the moment. Oh, well, I would have. I could have. And in 2020, something that God is doing in his body is he's shaking us a little bit. Oh, I know it. He, he's shaking us. We cannot escape ourselves this year. We are literally stuck in the house with ourselves. Busyness cannot become a part of our retreat. Not this year. This year, he has definitely asked us to face some things. I know in my heart that there are some things that God has put on each of our hearts to deal with. I need you to start. I need you to stop. I need you to continue. I need you to grow stronger. Every single one of us. And I know this because God is not a respecter of persons. He does this for all of his kids. He's always parenting. Yes, he is a God of justice. Yes, he is massive, but he is also a parent. And so God is always nurturing us, loving us, keeping us, sustaining us, as I said earlier. But he's also always a lesson giver. He wants you to learn from the things that anger you. He wants you to learn from the things that you feel are injustices in this world. 
He wants you to learn. He wants you to begin to see him in everything. He wants you to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all the things, okay? He wants us to grow in all of those things. But I do believe that there is something that can easily keep us from learning these lessons. And that is what I believe we should cut the cord with today. I want you to go with me to Psalm um, 119. Psalm 119, and we're gonna um, start at verse 77. Y'all know my favorite translation is Amplified. It is definitions in the scripture, and that makes it easy for me. So I love it. Psalm 119, 77. Actually, let's detour. Let's go to Proverbs instead. Proverbs 26. Sorry, guys. Proverbs 26, five through seven, and let's jump into that instead. And um, I'm ready. Y'all ready? Let's start at verse five. And it says, answer and correct the erroneous concepts of a fool according to his folly. Otherwise, he will be wise in his own eyes if he thinks you agree with him. I said, Lord, are you telling me I can talk back to internet trolls? Don't tell me that, Lord. Don't say it, because you know I'll respond. Lord, come on. He, no, that's not what he means. But I'm going to read it again because it felt good to me. Answer and correct the erroneous concepts of a fool according to his folly. Otherwise, he will be wise in his own eyes if he thinks you agree with him. Verse 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet, sabotages himself, and drinks the violence it brings on himself as consequence. Verse seven, like the legs which are useless to the lame, so is a proverb in the mouth of a fool who cannot learn from its wisdom. You know, I read this and I'm like, Lord, you are referencing fools so much. Are you saying I'm being a fool, Lord? Am I being a fool? You can tell me. I'm a tough girl, Lord. I can take it. And where he drew my attention was actually in verse six. In verse six, there's a, a few words there that I think is uh, where we're gonna draw our attention to today. Verse six, it says, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet, sabotages himself. What I believe we need to cut the court to this morning is self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is a very common phrase, especially out in like the psychology space. But I have yet to hear us talk about spiritual self-sabotage, where we are sabotaging our own spiritual freeness, living free, obtaining and walking in everything God has for us, all of the things. Here the word talks about messages being sent by the hand of a fool. So a person who acts foolishly consistently is a fool. And the word saying, it's worth nothing. Don't agree with the fool. Have nothing to do with the fool, essentially, all throughout Proverbs, it says. And so what came to me was how often we will accept the enemy's lies. The enemy is a fool. Satan is a fool. 
But so many times, he positions his words and suggestions in such a way to our minds and hearts to where we will accept the messages of a fool. And therefore, we will cut off our own feet. We will sabotage ourselves because we are accepting the messages of a fool. So what has he been saying to you? Because whatever he's saying to you, no matter how much you think there's truth in it, it's still a lie. What has he been saying over this year that has made you self-sabotage? What is in your way? Some of us may feel like, you know what? I'm good. You know, I am not self-sabotaging. I you know, life is great, and it may be. But knowing that God is a lesson giver, there's still something he wants you to get from even that good place that you're in. How does self-sabotage show up on the outside? Because the spiritual nature of things, we can't always see all the things. We just can't. The way things are set up, we can't. But how those show up on the outside is a comfort with being an angry person. You and anger are friends. Or maybe it's I'm so used to living in poverty. I'm so used to living um, above my means. I am comfort with the greed that is trying to befriend me. Maybe the self-sabotage comes in, I know I overthink, I just overthink, and you let overthinking become a part of who you are. Remain, remain. Self-sabotage. For me, the way it showed up this year was when God said, yeah, that teenage you that I need you to recognize in those moments, you were treated for self-preservation. There were times as a teenager, I didn't even know if I would make it out that home or make it out of the day. And God said, when you retreated within yourself, there was a wall you built. And that wall that you built has to come down because there's another level of love I need you to experience from me, from your husband, that you will never be able to receive until you knock the wall down that you thought you needed as a teenager to protect yourself. Now, where the self-sabotage could come in for me is if I don't do it. How many things has God put in front of us? Has he nudged us on? Has he said, I need you to stop yelling at your spouse that way. I need you to forgive your parent. I need you to let go of this or that. I need you to talk to me five, ten times. I need you to do what I asked. And how many times do we ignore it? And this time for me, God is saying, I need you to knock down the wall. And what I noticed is that it was hard. It was uncomfortable. Because knocking down my wall that I thought protected me, that I didn't know I still had, and God is now showing, you do still have it. 
it's still there. And guess what else he showed me? Also, there's parts of you that are still afraid. That little girl is still there. She not gone. Now, in this moment, I knew that I had a choice to make. Now, honestly, inside, I'm nervous because I know that the way God sets up things is there are truly consequences to disobedience. He has such a grace, and he gives us time, and he gives us nudges, but then there comes a time where he gets silent and still, and you feel like you, um, if you talk to him, that he may not hear you anymore. We know that we know that space. We've disobeyed so long where it gets quiet and we didn't recognize that by disobeying, we were stepping further and further away from his voice to where we couldn't hear anymore. So I knew when he gave instruction that I had a choice to make if I was going to actually walk towards him for the healing or walk away from him to my own self-preservation. Self-preservation doesn't work. It can feel like for a while it's working. As a teenager, oh, I felt like it was working. Who knows all the things I've lost along the way by it still being there. But God is a great God. God is a merciful God. He is gracious. He always leaves a path back to himself. And when he asks us to do something, and that choice is sitting in front of us. If we tell him no, we start walking away. We start getting off the path. And this is in different areas of our life. You know, not just all of you, because you can show up in church and be completely off the path. We know this. The word can be nowhere in your heart and you can be in the presence of the word, just like Judas. But when it comes to actually Jesus keeping that path or that way back to him always open. I'm reminded of Peter. Peter, I'm telling this past scripture has just been so big to me this year. And I think likely it's because of just seeing God's redemptive mercy and love in it. But we know Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times. You know what hit me so much about that as reading it over and over this year is that he did it to Jesus' face. Man. While Judas went behind Jesus' back to betray him, Peter did it right in front of him, right in the presence of him. Maybe he wasn't next to him, but in the presence of him. There was an acknowledgement. And what did Peter do after that? Peter left. He got completely off the path. He said, I'm not following, I'm not doing anything that is close to being a follower of Jesus anymore. What I have done is too bad. What I have done is betrayed everything I knew I should do. And that's for some of us. Oh, some of us, we've made choices this year. where We're like, who was I? Why did I do that? I feel like I have betrayed every part of me that loved God. And when Jesus rises from the dead, what does he do? Jesus goes to Peter. Jesus didn't go to his mother. He had already made arrangements for her before he went and took the keys of hell. Jesus went to Peter as one of his stops. And Jesus restores Peter, telling Peter, you still got an assignment no matter how much you walked away from me. Because in other words, Jesus was saying, there's never 
a distance you can go to where you can't come back. But you know something that's ahead of you? You now, the way I see it in my heart, is that path back to him, you might have a hill you need to climb over from that choice you made. You might have um, rocks or things in your way, boulders that you will have to climb over or go around in order to get back to Jesus. Because when you start walking with him, the path is straight. But on your way back to him, and whatever those areas where you may or may, where you may not have done what he asked you, you got a journey ahead of you. And some of us, that's where the self-sabotage begins. We will say to ourselves, I ain't doing all that, okay? All this freedom we got in Jesus' name and God, we will use it against God. He gives us freedom. We use it to run away. We use it to disobey. We have to be careful. And God is saying, I don't want you to have to go through the journey over and over again to get back to me. Yes, my arms are open. I am here. But there are things that some of us need to walk around. We got we to get there. I ask you to cut the cord to self-sabotage today. And by doing that, it means that we are saying yes to where he has prompted us in our hearts we are recognizing, honestly, God has checked me on these things this year. Some of us have recognized some things about ourselves, like if I'm isolated too long, I have literally have no people interaction for, for too long. I, it's not good for my mind. You know how you're wired? So self-sabotage in that case would simply be remaining alone. You have to choose to put yourself in different spaces. Sometimes it's virtual, but you got to show up. What are these areas where God is saying, I need you to say yes? I need you to say yes to being a great employee, not making the environment more toxic with your complaints. I need you to say yes to being a joyful mother, learning to have joy, even there are times where you have to discipline and correct because there's balance to it, but not dreading the assignment. What has God been nudging you on this year? It is never meant to condemn you. It is absolutely meant to help you be the person he's called you to, that awesome you that you see inside. I want us to go to Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, I believe that um, there is a habit or a, a thing that has been laid out in David's life that I believe will help us to start to walk on this path back to yes and walk away from the self-sabotage, but walk in the right direction. Before we start reading it, there was this example that came to mind. I didn't know if I would mess it up, so I haven't said it yet, but I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, here's my analogy. Okay, here we go. I'm going to use this, this pen. This, so far, it's still not going well. Wait till you hear it. Here it is. So I was like, okay, Lord, what visual can I give as we dive into this whole thing of self-sabotaging? Okay, let's see if I can go for it. Here is what came to mind for me. Let's pretend this pen is a gun. 
okay? Guns have a bad rap in our society right now. I just want to acknowledge that. I'm not being, you know, senseless, but I need an example. So here we go. So let's say this pin is a gun. I'm going to put that over there, okay? So whenever we choose, whenever we know, and now we do, we know that there are, uh, there's a war going on, okay? A lot of different ones. But the one that matters most is spiritual. There's a spiritual war going on. There's things happening all around us as a result of what it has and has not happened spiritually, okay? So we know that there's a war, a spiritual, a supernatural war, really bigger than can I pay my bill, home is a mess, whatever, I ain't washing dishes. Those are frivolous compared to the spiritual war. We know it, okay? But if we choose to know there's a war, a spiritual war, and we literally do nothing, it is self-sabotage, spiritual sabotage. I know that there's a spiritual war. I'm not going to pray, not going to read my Bible, have no interest in church, okay? Sabotage, 100%. Because you know there's literally a war, and you're doing nothing. All right. Now, let's say you say, you know what? I know there's a war. Let me go get this gun, okay? All right, I have, I have it, all right? But I decide that I'm going to wait to learn how to use it. I'm going to procrastinate. I know that I need to use this powerful weapon that can help me win the war, but I am not going to, I'm not going to learn about it. I'm not going to learn how to use it. You know, I'm going to wait. Why? Because I have time. I think if 2020 taught us anything is maybe you don't. I got time. We're procrastinating. Okay, well, maybe we decide, you know what? I'm going to go to the driving range with this, with this weapon that I got, and I'm about to learn how to actually shoot. So I learned how to shoot. Look at me. I know how to swing the... No, this is not swinging. To shoot the weapon. I know how to use the weapon. I'm good. And a lot of us stop there. I know how to use it. Okay, I'm, I'm doing good. But sometimes something that sabotages us is we get so caught up in the research space of knowing and reading and reading to where we haven't learned to truly apply it. What would applying it be? That would be actually being able to shoot the weapon when we are activated in war. Can you fire when called upon? If you are, if you have an eviction notice, if you have a boss that's trying to force you out the company, if you have a, a marriage that is bad, can you fire this weapon upon command? If you cannot use the weapon when called upon, there is a problem. And not being able to use it upon command is self-sabotage. Why? Because we have the full word of God to prepare us. We have spiritual examples, people in real life and also in Bible times that has shown us we have what it takes to be prepared in every stage and every moment, so when God says, come to me with yes, you might got to use, you likely will have to use that weapon to navigate and maneuver through all the junk you've created by saying no to begin with. Can you use the weapon? When I thought about this, you guys know I have this thing with practical ways of starting to get there. In this scripture, in Psalm 1, 
And we're gonna start at verse two. I believe David starts to show us one of the ways that gets us moving back to yes. And more importantly, it reminds us or it helps us to know how we need to start using our actual weapon. Don't know you're in a war and do nothing. Verse two says, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. Oh man, that means we like Jesus, okay? It says on his law, this is God's precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God. What? You mean I like to hear God talk to me? I like to hear his word, even if it's coming out of my own mouth because I'm reading the Bible out loud? Yes, I like this. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and night. Man, David just said something that's so powerful. He said that if I am meditating, meaning I am thinking about the word through my day and even in the evening, when I am thinking about the word, it does something in me. When I am thinking about the word, and let's keep going here, when I am thinking about the word, it also allows me to stay ready in season and out of season. 2020 was a season we, again, did not necessarily see coming. At the same time, there are more seasons in our life that I believe God is calling us now to say yes so we can be prepared for those. I believe this is a real word. I don't wanna, I don't wanna alarm you, but what if 2021 is not better? Mm, oh, some of us are like, Lord, no. <gasps> Lord, no. <gasps> but what if? Are we gonna keep trying to build our house on sand in the middle of a storm? Or are we not gonna let another moment, another day go by of starting to do what we gotta do to be able to win our wars? One is meditating in the word. Meditating in the word has actually been the thing for me that has helped me to start knocking down the wall that that little girl built for me. Because I know that I cannot do it on my own. I am not powerful enough to take down this wall that I built. I was, I was strong enough in the moment to get the cement with tears, with heartbreak, with anger, with fury. Build that thing up. But to knock it down takes a whole, altogether a different strength. And so by meditating on the word, as David has said here, it has grown a liking of God's word in me. And that essentially is me getting the weapon, learning how to shoot by meditating on the word. But then it also puts bullets in my gun or weapon. Because now I have something to fire with. If I am not meditating on the word, if the word is not on my heart, if it's not close, Whenever I am attacked or if something comes for me, my thoughts, whatever it may be, I won't have my ammo. Meditating on God's word, literally, I'm not talking about you got the Bible app and you want to make sure your streak don't break in the Bible app, so you just opened it that day. I'm talking about taking that scripture off that homepage, writing it five times. Take that scripture off that homepage, repeating it every hour. Taking that thing and actually meditating on it and meditating on it. 
Because if you believe the word has power, then why are you not using it? And for some of us, it's simply just sabotage. You know God is real. You know the word works, but you haven't done anything with it yet. And you can't afford to not do anything. Verse three says, and he shall be like a tree, firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall what? Prosper and come to maturity. This maturity includes you. Meditating on God's word is step one. It is baseline. Opening that book, getting scripture, repeating it, saying it, knowing it. And then there'll come a time where God will ask you to walk on it. He'll ask you to get out the boat. He'll ask you to actually use it. And it'll feel so close. You're giving the Holy Spirit something to even remind you of. As the word says, he, he brings things back to our remembrance. It is something that is so important. And so I want us to commit today to not continuing in the behavior of self-sabotage. Knowing what we gotta do, not doing it. Knowing God is saying, I need you to come here. I need you to do this. I need you to. I need you to stop, start. I need you to take your relationship with me seriously. And so as we wrap up right now, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you because I want us to, I want to seal this word in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to truly consider as I pray, God, what is next, right? Don't let this just be a service or a, a moment. Okay, let's, let's take it out of this moment with us. You know, let's not just keep scrolling and hopping to the next thing and we didn't actually search our hearts. Let's do it, okay? Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.